Radio Level 5 is coming to you from Level 5, an artist-run studio space in the heart of Brussels. In this podcast, we interview artists and interesting people that shape and form our environment in Brussels. Sometimes we play sound pieces, music, and audio-based art. Today I was invited by long-serving Israeli leftist activist Eitan Bronstein, who recently moved to Brussels, to a special action. We'll stand there. In the day that Israelis celebrate the 73rd anniversary to the establishment of the Israeli state, Eitan suggested we should go to the Israeli embassy in Brussels and propose to remember the Palestinian Nakba, the disaster of the expulsion of a Palestinian from their land in 1947-48. With large cardboards with slogans written in English, Arabic, French and Hebrew, we walked and found our place in front of the embassy in a small street in Ukl. Passing the Belgian soldiers that guard this place 24-7, we reached the small space, which is a public street, in front of the embassy's door. We managed to take a few snapshots before a guard stormed us from inside the building and grabbed one of the cardboards. Guys! Switching to Hebrew didn't make the guard less aggressive and he stopped only when we started walking back to our car. When we found a place in the small street leading to the embassy, we stopped and looked at the back of the building and noticed the heavy armored windows. We used this quiet moment to take a few pictures of our signs before we went back to our car. It was so Israeli reaction. <laughs> just come, just take the sign, like, hello. Is this strange? You think you are in Israel? What's this? Yeah, welcome. <laughs> so, for us, so this is strange. For me, it's, it's so just crazy. so bizarre. No, but the whole thing was very bizarre because <laughs> we kind of did nothing. Yeah. And then he kind of just was very aggressive. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and then we kind of just up? left. It's open the road. Okay. okay. Yeah, I feel, I don't know, I'm, this is very recognizable for me. Yeah. That yeah, kind yeah, of... Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what, did you say, what did you say to each other? Yeah, we, we just... Uh, we said, okay, we, did, we didn't cross any, any check or why we didn't jump over anything. We said, why you take it? Why, why you are taking it? Like, why you are taking the sign? Yeah. And they said, say, you cannot take a photo here. Uh, which this maybe I don't know the thing in front of the embassy you cannot. Of course you can, you can. It's yeah, not. It's, the, open, it's just it's a public space. space. Right? Yeah, yes, public of course. Place. You cannot. Uh, <laughs> it's really weird to me that you could do, like grab us. I mean, he can do what he wants, but it's. Uh, wow! So I just cool. noticed. Look at the bulletproof uh, plexi on the windows. Mm. Oh yeah, of course. What a weird place. Well, then again, have you seen the American embassy here? Yeah. <laughs> it's even weirder. Right. 
What a sad place. And then the guard came back, again in his aggressive attitude, and said to us, You cowards, now I call the police and called one of the confused soldiers to come and stand near him with his semi-automatic rifle. We slowly walked back to our car that was parked a few footsteps away, with the knowledge he cannot detain us or make us stay there. He took out his smartphone and took photos of each of us and the license plate of the car. We drove off, waving goodbye to him and to the soldiers. Later that afternoon, two policemen were at my door. I had to explain what we did and why. They told me I have to apply for authorization next time and ask to see my recording device, and then left. After all this, we sat down for a short conversation. Eitan is a very important figure in the Israeli left. In 2002, he founded an organization that said to himself to raise the awareness in the Israeli public to the Palestinian disaster the Nakba. Eitan told us about his history and his activism, as well as his relation to the so-called Israeli Independence Day. David Bernstein joined our conversation. I hope you enjoy. Welcome uh, to a very special <laughs> um, episode of Radio Level 5. Uh, we've just came back from a small public, almost performance <laughs> uh, gesture. I'm sitting here actually with David from our studio, <laughs> David Bernstein and Aidan Bronstein is a, a kind of a, a newcomer to Brussels. We're very happy to have him here uh, coming from uh, Tel Aviv um, and would be really nice to hear um, about, yeah, kind of where you come from ideolo- ideologically, politically. Um, how come you moved to Brussels, actually? Um, yeah, so who are you, Eitan Bronstein? <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Hi. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in Brussels uh, since December 2019. Um, I moved here from Tel Aviv, where I was living, I mean, in Israel, I was living like uh, some 55 years of my life, so most of my life. But I was actually um, born in Argentina. Uh, And uh, when I was five, I moved to my my family. My parents decided to move to Israel, to a kibbutz. I was raised in a kibbutz in Israel, like, I would say, like regular Israeli. And when I was 18 years old, I, I... drafted the army, Israeli army. I was, I didn't question it at all. But um, slowly, I mean, through the army, I think uh, first time I started to understand the, the real problems of being a, a colonizer nation, I would say. Uh, it struck me very strong when I was in the army as a young soldier. And then um uh in the Lebanon first Lebanon war in 1982 so I was the uh, first time called to reserve uh, in Lebanon and I refused it was uh, very after many deliberations or I don't know hesitations uh, thoughts I decided to to refuse to go there and I was jailed 
Uh, and then, and because also back then started the, for the first time the kind of refusal movement in Israel for the, it, was, it became like rather big thing, but it was refusal not to the army, but only to that specific war. And then uh, in, in 1987 broke out the first Intifada. And then again, I knew immediately that I would refuse to oppress the Intifada. I was for, you know, I was for freedom for Palestinians in the in all all the time in the context of two states, of course, back then. And I was, uh, I get, I, I think, I would say, I, I was still a Zionist. I didn't oppose Israel as such, but or oh, Israel is a, it's the the fundamentals of Israel. But I. I was again. I for, I was for the liberation of Palestinians uh, at least under the two states uh, frame, and um, so I refused to to serve in the occupied territories uh, twice. I was jailed twice, and this is my just I'd say the few of my I don't know highlights of my <laughs> evolution political evolution. Uh, in fact, we wrote a whole book about it uh, with my wife, Eleonore uh, Merza. We wrote a book that will be published soon in English also about this uh, parkour, you know, this journey of political journey, evolution. Yeah, I have to say I, I read the book and it was uh, wonderful to read also um, through, the, through your collaboration. So Eleonore is, a, or she comes from anthropology or sociology? Anthropology, yeah. Um, and... Her writing, her way of researching, in a way, your your history, but then coming into collab- collaborating with you, this book is v- very interesting, very informative, but also very touching and personal. And I loved it, and I can't wait to share it with people once it's in English. Do you know when it will yes, be? Yes, uh, very soon. I hope uh, maybe in two months, maximum two months, we have it. Really, uh, yeah, we'll be here. That's Boston. very exciting. <laughs> One point in your kind of career activism is the, the founding of a, a very important organization called Zohrot. Yes. Maybe you can tell us briefly about it. Yes, of course. It's a, really the, probably the most important thing uh, that I did until now as, uh, I would say, activist, uh, activism, political activism, was to found Zohrot organization in 2001. Um, And it was a, it is organization that uh, dedicates itself to to bring the the Nakba issue history uh, to the Israeli or the Hebrew discourse uh, because in fact until uh, we started to work in 2001 I, I still remember that when I googled the, the, the word Nakba in Hebrew, it was almost zero results like in Google. Today, when you Google Nakba, you, you find tens of thousands of results, hundreds of thousands, in fact. Um, it was, I mean, it was not, in 2001, it was already after the, what's called in Israel, new historians wrote about it. So we started to know, but it was rather academic uh, discourse. In, in the academic discussion, let's say, or discourse, It was already known in newspaper like Haaretz, it was written a little bit about it, but not, not at all in the public uh, discourse in Israel, uh, moreover in the, in the education system, for example. It's, it was completely silenced. I'm sure you didn't know about it in school. I didn't learn, I never heard about it in school. I knew vaguely that, that there were Arabs here, like around the kibbutz I lived, but I never knew 
what happened to them in 1948? I mean, like, how exactly uh, they, they left? Why exactly they left? Okay, in general, they told us there was a war, they attacked us, they didn't want us here, and we kicked them out, and it's their, their, uh, their responsibility. And when, when you start to learn about the Nakba, you find out that all this, of course, it's, it's false. And our, um, our mission was to, like I was, always I was saying, I was, our mission was to take the, this knowledge from the bookshelves academic, let's say, and to bring it to the streets in Israel, to the popular uh, uh, knowledge, I would say. And, uh, and, I, and I think it, it, it really worked. Uh, I think Zahot has a very important role in changing dramatically the discourse in Israel. Like, uh, I think in some 10 years, we really opened it uh, by several uh, actions or ways to work the main work we the main way to work was to organize tours to destroy Palestinian localities so um, we 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 uh, there are okay there are hundreds of them in, in Israel today and we organize these tours in Hebrew and in Arabic but mostly to Hebrew uh, audience that um, for the first time could like walk in this country and uh, to learn something and to hear something they never they never learned they never heard they never saw maybe before and many times it was like neighbors who lived there all their life and they never heard the story of you know these ruins that are just next to their homes and um, we did um, we did a lot a lot of these tours and we were posting signs during these tours to indicate the destroyed places the different side of the village in these tours we heard also testimonies by palestinians who survived the nakba or were expelled uh, the nakba um, and we published booklets about the place so we we brought more and more information to israelis in different ways um on this uh, yeah on the on the nakba and one point also was the right of return that's something like it's almost a complete taboo in israel I would say yes. In yeah, in the in the official discourse in Israel, it's it's complete taboo. It's like like no talk about it at all, no discussion at all. And and the one thing that was uh, I remember struck me very strong was when I understood rather at the beginning that for Palestinians it's completely taboo also, in completely the other way around. Like in Palestinian side, you cannot say we give up the right of return. There is, there is no leader, no... I think it's very rare to hear a Palestinian. Maybe there were some who dare saying something close to it, but I doubt even this. But in, Pal in the Palestinian side, it's very important for us as Israelis to understand that in the Palestinian side, there is no way they would ever give up the right of return. Now, of course, it doesn't mean that necessarily all the Palestinians on this planet will necessarily want to go and live actually back in Jaffa and Haifa and all the places they were kicked out from, but it means that they have the right to do so, and they, it's them to choose, for them to choose if they, they want to implement the right or not. But this is the gap between the Israeli uh, position on that or most of Israel's position to the Palestinian position, it, it's so big that we, we, we have the duty to, to bring at least this information to the Israelis and to the world also. Yeah, it's, it's very common in Israeli public space when you, or public discourse when you, I mean, 
when you talk about the right of return, it's clear for them that you mean that any Jew, wherever they come from, if they can prove their Judaism or kind of half-assed uh, prove their Judaism, can can become a Jewish citizen. But Palestinians cannot. Yeah. Uh, 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 Israeli citizen. Yeah. So what what I'm fascinated by your how you operate is that you don't feel you need to to take out your Israeliness, but you come as an Israeli. It's part yeah. of you, and uh, and you reach out to create alliances or dialogues from that position. Maybe you can say something about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. I. Um when I was in Israel, it was always clear to me an easier position. I have to admit that here I, I try to, I have to redefine my my position in the world. And But um, as, let's say, when I was in Israel, it was clear to me that I'm not speaking as, I'm not speaking in behalf of Palestinians. I'm not speaking the Palestinian narrative as they wanted, to, they like to say in Israel, that the Nakba is a Palestinian narrative, as if you like, it's a, it's, a, it's a history, the Nakba, and it's also Israeli history. I mean, Israel would not be founded without the Nakba. I mean, the Nakba, in fact, created two nations. One is expelled, and you cannot think of being a Palestinian in the world in, as an identity without the Nakba. I mean, the Nakba is in any Palestinian one of the main components uh, of their being. Um, and of course, for the Israelis, I mean, the Israelis... Israel was founded uh, on the ruins of the Palestinian, uh, of Palestine, or Palestinian places, homes, uh, people that were kicked out in order to replace them with settlers, uh, Jewish settlers, mostly in the beginning from Europe, but then from other countries, Arab countries, and so on, and, um, and created a nation which one of their fundaments is to maintain the, the kind of achievement or the colon of the colonization, like we expelled them and now we have to maintain it. It's not granted that once they were expelled, we can just we be without... A, of, of course, I mean, we need the army in order to maintain uh, the situation as, as the masters of this land. And because, of course, there is resistance by Palestinians. So we have to continue and maintain uh, the situation as soldiers. And that's why generation after generation we have to teach our kids how important it is to to join the army and so on. So for me, the point was that as an Israeli, I'm working, yes, to decolonize my own identity. I don't think it's possible in Israel to talk about really seriously on Palestine about the colonization of the situation from, I mean, as an activism uh, yeah, in, in, in activism, in political activism. I, what I mean is that I think the most we can do for now is decolonizing at least our minds. Um, and, and this, yeah, this certainly we can do. Now, fr from this position, uh, when we are, yeah, in struggle to decolonize ourselves, and we think like the beautiful sign of dreaming about post-Zionism situation, um then uh, the al uh, being ali uh, ali to with palestinians or in solidarity or co 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 collaborate with palestinians it's natural it's something that it's it's like yeah it's 
it's not only obvious and good that it's happening, but and, and it's possible, but I think it's one of the the most important um, component of the of the struggle against colonialism, against Israeli colonialism, and um, th that. I mean, once we started our work, we had we were uh, and, um, addressed by many Palestinians who were, were very moved by um, our work. Even though many times I heard from many of them, uh, it's great what you do, what you do for your own people. It's not for us what you do. I mean, you do, but but still for them it was obvious to collaborate with us. And this is also a, a very important. Uh, when when we saw this because it counters a lot or challenge very effectively i would say the this uh, fear of israelis that once uh, once let's say zionism is over or once they have a majority and they are powerful they will kick us they would they would kick us from here from this land i think it's false and it's not true i don't believe i refuse to believe in it because i i I know that Palestinians are against Zionism and against settler settler colonialism, Israeli settler, but not against Jews living in Palestine. Jews living in Palestine were for hundreds of years, or probably since ever, there were Jews there. It's not a problem about Jews. The problem is about colonialism and Zionism. And so, yeah, for for us to collaborate with Palestinians, it's it's something, yeah. Natural, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. I, it's interesting that you bring this up because in conversations with my family, this is so, so often the the example. You cannot let uh, the Palestinians come yeah. in because then they will take over and uh, you, everything will become failed. So yeah. it sort of justifies maintaining <laughs> uh, the segregation and maintaining a religious state. And I, it, that's the part for me that's so confusing always about Israel. It's how you can have a democratic country today that is governed by religion. Well, it's not exactly religion. But it seems to government. me that it's a religious it's a state. It's semi, a semi-religious state. It's not a religious state. No, it's okay. not uh, like this Saudi my, Arabia. No, no, it's no, not. Okay, this is my uh, misunderstanding not, but, of yeah. it. There is no separation between state and religion, but still it's not religious okay, state. Okay, so there's no separation, but it's not a religious state. But what does that it's mean It's not then? fully a religious state, because the law of the state is both, uh, let's say... A civil law. Yes, yeah, civil law, yeah, okay. uh, modern law, right. western law, whatever. It's not defined and, by, But uh, also a Jewish law. law. Yeah, there is also halakha or Jewish law, uh, mostly for... Uh, a family, you know, uh, interrelations between, you know, marriage, these things, yes, it's still the religious law uh, applies and governs, yes. But I think you have a point that it's like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a Jewish democratic Jewish state. Um, yeah. So the idea of Judaism as the, the, the governing kind of ethnicity is very clear. So in Indeed, there is a paradox there. It cannot be both democratic and Jewish. So, I mean, yeah. This is the part that's always very confusing as somebody who's not Israeli, hasn't spent much time there, and doesn't understand the situation so well. This, this messiness. And so I was just, I wanted to look up uh, the most recent um, publication from uh, the European Union defining 
anti-Semitism, because I think that also points to a lot of the, the similarity of the, the messiness of it. So this document is uh, it's called the, the Handbook for Practical Use of the IHRA Working Definition yeah. of Anti-Semitism. Yeah, it's very important. And it was just uh, printed in January. Yeah. And there is an example here, I think, that points to this confusion, at least for me. So, as the IHRA definition states, manifestations might include the targeting of the state of Israel conceived as a Jewish collectivity. However, criticism of Israel similar to that leveled against any other country cannot be regarded as anti-Semitic. So this is trying to say, if you criticize the state of Israel as a Jewish collectivity, it's anti-Semitic. Yeah. But if you criticize Israel as that leveled against any other country, then it's not anti-Semitic. But what's very con confusing is how we define what a Jewish collectivity is and how probably a lot of Israelis see themselves as, as a Jewish collectivity or that Israel itself is a product of Jewish collectivity. So it gets so confusing in this definition. When are you... Uh, okay to criticize Israel and when are you okay to speak about Israel in relationship to Judaism I don't know I find it very very weird yeah I mean, I mean it's we just experienced a very good example of that kind of confusion and why did we do it today because today in Israel they um, they celebrate the the in independence day and maybe I can ask you Eitan why the the concept of Israeli independence. Why this phrase is so problematic? And yeah, I, I have to say that um, for me, the Israeli Independence Day, um, together with the day before, we have to we we should uh, remind that uh, the day before the Independence Day is the the day of commemoration of the dead soldiers, uh, Israeli soldiers that uh, were. Uh, killed in the wars, uh, uh, tens of thousands of them since the beginning of the state. Uh, of course, we remember only our soldiers who were killed. Uh, we never remember others that were, the most of the people who were killed in these wars were Palestinians and other Arab uh, nationalities. Um, but um, it's been like, yeah, more than 20 years, I'm very, very busy and concerned in these, in these days. I think for every Israeli, the experience of these days is very, very intensive. I'm sure for you, you remember, you are some more years than me out of Israel, but I'm sure you still remember the, the intensity of the experience in these days. Like it's, it's like everywhere. You, you cannot... You cannot run away from it. It's in the air. You breathe it. It's all the flags around that you hear, and then the the airplanes are passing above us. And okay, every and of course the siren, of course the famous siren. All the countries, uh, everyone are standing and uh, stopping everything for some minutes. Um, and um, this intensive uh, nationalistic celebration. Uh, uh, for me, was very is very troubling for for years, and I was uh, since I started the hot. We uh, every Independence Day we went out in the evening of the celebration, and we uh, organized a direct action in the streets in Israel, 
to remind the Israelis the terrible price paid for the for the the independence of for the Israelis, um, which is the Nakba. And uh, we always uh, created a video of it. We have in our website of the colonizers, several of them, as a hot also. Um, and uh, for me, these actions were, okay, were always like small, but symbolically are very, very important. Also what we did today. Today was first experience for me to do it when I'm out of Israel. It's interesting that it took me more than a year because last year I also wanted to, I was like coming the day, I said, okay, who will, with this, I talk with the Leonor, but at the end I, I didn't do anything. So I'm really glad that this year we, we made it and we did it. So thank you very much for your collaboration. It's really amazing. And um, yeah, I want to say something about it. It's it's really important because, of course, to, to re, for me to work on the Nakba or this issue, it's, it's important every day. It's important to study it in school or about it and so on. But this day is very specific and very important. Um, Maybe something that less uh, people uh, know, uh, you read the book, so you probably remember it, but um, you know that it's been years, that uh, now more than 15 years, that uh, Palestinians in Israel organized this March of Return, every Israeli Independence Day. And it became a huge event in Israel. Every Israeli Independence Day last years, until the Corona, by the way, this year, today, it's the second year that it's done by Zoom, which, okay, so it's much less interesting. And of course, there is no any coverage on about it in the media. But it, it really came into the mainstream media in Israel as a huge gathering of Palestinians with the flags, you know, in the center of Israel, in places that they every, every year they walk to march of a kind of demonstration of thousands of people. It's really moving and uh, amazing events. And... Israel is so this is a provocation because why exactly in this day of the independence, our celebration, you celebrate the Nakba and it's against our... And you know that the history of this day is very interesting. It's, it didn't start a, as a political act in that day, but it's very connected to the political situation because historically it began in the time of the military rule in Israel because after Israel was founded, after the Palestinians were expelled, they were put under military governance uh, for 16 years uh, in the Galilee, in the Triangle, in the center, like all the Palestinian cities and uh, places uh, were uh, under military control and they were not allowed to leave their area without permission. Like Palestinians would not try drive to Tel Aviv, for example, without permission from the military governor of the area. The only day they were free to move everywhere was the Israeli Independence Day. In that day, the Israeli authorities and security didn't check. So, like, it was not officially allowed, but they didn't uh, arrest people. For, and they um, uh, developed this communal, familial uh, tradition to go to visit their destroyed villages. So thousands of Palestinians, every, uh, every Israeli Independence Day, went to visit their destroyed places. And this became a traditional, a communal and family traditional tradition until um, after Oslo Accords, when Palestinians uh, in Israel uh, understood that they, the, the right of return will never come, will never be solved by, by Israel or by even by the Palestinian uh, uh, 
an authority or leadership, like because even you know Yasser Arafat he signed the Oslo Accords, which postponed the right of return issue to the end of the days. Like uh, so, they started to gather politically, and they then they these marches of return became very very important. So, and then of course the the idea of the your independence is our Nakba that they were like throwing at us in our face became kind of provocatively for us for Israelis, but. I think it's it's it is very very important, especially for us to remember it that day, because the foundation of the state of Israel would not happen without the Nakba. So it's very very relevant the, this uh, this uh, uh, encounter, let's say, between or even contradiction between Nakba and independence. Yes. Yeah, I'm, there is so much to, I mean, to unpack here. Uh, I really suggest to read the book, the wonderful book, once it's available. We will put uh, all the links we can find that will, you know, people could go into Zohot's uh, website and the Decolonizer, your website now, in collaboration with Eleonora Mauser. Um I think it's funny that you said in the car ride back here, that because they made a photo now of your license plate, they will look you up and they will make a note for the next time you you visit Israel that they will treat you much more harshly at the airport. I think it's very interesting how a simple um, act of free speech can be used so strongly against you. And it's, it, it's kind of shocking to me to hear this. Yeah, for me it was how familiar it felt. <laughs> it's like almost just visiting home for 10 minutes, but then coming home, uh, the chosen home uh, somehow. But f yeah, I have to say, Eitan, to speak with you is always uh, like super enriching. Also, or mainly for me personally, the, the idea of how you treat your Israeli identity. That for me is really unsolved. <laughs> and I feel like you speak from such a place of um, uh, of uh, anchored uh, uh, understanding of relationship between people and history that is inspiring for me. So I'm really happy maybe, to hear maybe you I speak. Maybe I can add something about it to, to but I think Because, you know, uh, I heard this many times uh, also from others, but I, I really feel it that you know, working on these issues, I, I feel always more and more engaged and belong there. It's not, it's not the other way around. For me, learning about the Nakba is learning about my own place, you know, my own environment. I, I have intimacy, in, intimate relations or intimate memories about even in my, in my own, in the kibbutz I grew up. There was the, the place that I was, was maybe the most fascinating or dear to, for me to go to to hike as kids we went were, were ruins there of something we thought it's a crusader fortress and I visited that there I don't know as a child like hundreds of times it was also a crusader for, fortress and only years later when I found the hot I started to be interested in this in this uh, history of the Nakba then I found it by by chance that it was Kakun I, I knew the name Kakun I thought it's a because it's not an Arabic name it's true so, yeah, it was a Palestinian village until 1948, was destroyed. So, I mean, it's, it's so for me to, to unlearn or to, or to, like, to dig into the layers of my own identity and my own memory on, this, on these uh, issues, on these issues, 
Uh, it's simply knowing myself and, know, and, and uh, being um, more belong to that place. So it's not, instead of making me afar, no, it's the, the, the other way around. I'm more uh, attached to the place, more to, the, to, the, to this land and to the history of the place. And I, I, I really hope as, as Israelis we would have a, time, a chance once to, to reintegrate to our, this place without being, uh, not as colonizers, but as belong to, those, to this, pla this place. Uh, just, to, just to throw you one idea, just to the end, maybe that, uh, maybe I shared it with you once, I, I thought maybe here we, we should, people like us, create something called Chozrot, with, uh, which uh, sounds a bit like Zohot, but Chozrot means returning in Hebrew, and uh, like to think the conditions in which we would like to return to that that place, and of course it has to be um, non-colonial uh, or post-colonial uh, conditions. Maybe not fully, because fully I don't think exists anywhere on this planet, or even not as a concept cannot ideally cannot exist. But but at least that the struggle would be much more advanced, uh, anti-colonial struggle. And I I would really like to think about possibilities of returning there together with Palestinians that were kicked out from there. To establish completely a new reality, a new uh, sharing of uh, people to that place. Thank you very much <laughs> for today. Thank you, David. Thank you, Sira. Thank yeah. you, Eitan. Thank you. You're listening to the